So will I. So will I. So will I. So will I. Is that your heart's cry? Is that your confession? So will I. So will I. Will you give your life as he did his? Will you love your neighbor as he did his? Will you heal your community as he did his? Will you uplift the broken as he does his? Will you love children as he does his? So will I. So will I. So will I. Father in heaven, we are in awe of your goodness. We are in wonder of your grace, of the mercy that you show us, of the love that you give us. We're in awe, Father, because you see every flaw that we have. You see every weakness we possess. But you still say, so will I. You still choose to love us. And if you can give us that kind of love, then the least we could do is reciprocate it to the ones you've died to save. Help us today to be your people, to realize our worth, to realize the call that you have given us to be as you are in this world. For as he is, so are you in this world. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the gifts that are on my life. Use me. Manifest yourself in this moment. Whatever gift you want to manifest on the behalf of your people, I pray that you would do that today. I decrease as you increase. In Jesus' name, God's people said amen and amen. You may take your seats. Find with me, if you would, Psalm number eight. Psalm number eight. I want to read that in your hearing. I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Verse number one through eight. It reads this way. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the heavens with your majesty, and from the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have established a stronghold on account of your adversaries in order to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is a human being that you remember him? a son of man that you look after him. You made him a little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all the sheep and oxen, as well as the animals and the wild, the birds and the sky and the fish of the sea that pass through the currents of the seeds. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name. 
throughout the earth. Verse numbers three and four capture my attention. And the question, the pondering that David has is the question I want to ponder with you today. David says that when I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is a human being that you remember him? A son of man that you even look after him. I want to answer that question today. I believe God, if he were to say it out loud, he would say the theme and the title of my message today, which I believe is the answer to the question is, you're very special. What is a human being that you're mindful of him? Very special. What is a son of man that you take care of him? Very special. And I want to say that today to give it away that I want you to know that that's where we're going today, to let you know that you are very special. Somebody needs to hear that, that they're very special. Deborah Law in 1981 wrote a song, and we're using psalms as the theme of our songs of the summer. She wrote a song called, You're Very Special. y'all sing that for me sing it if you remember it these are classics sing that to you, right? That's a duet that you can sing to the Lord. And he would say that you're very special. Thank you, praise team. There's a story of two individuals in our scripture. Amen. Yeah. There's a story of two individuals in our scripture who didn't really think that they were very special. They didn't realize that they were very special. One of these young ladies, uh, she, she grew up in probably the suburbs. She probably had a, a fairly good life and fairly good means. Uh, she married who she believed was the man of her dreams. And they wanted to start a family together. But as they attempted to start a family together, she realized that she was barren and couldn't have any children. And if that wasn't bad enough, what the husband decided to do to rectify the situation is he went on and took himself another wife. And that wife had three kids. And as you can imagine, her dignity and worth began to slip more and more as time went by uh, till she cried out to the Lord that the Lord would give her a child. The Lord heard her cry because the Lord always responds to the weak and powerless. And he gave her a child. And what she decided to do after she had that child was dedicate that child to the Lord's service. The other woman 
these women grew probably a couple generations apart from each other. She, she grew up on what you would call the wrong side of the tracks. And one of those families from the good side of the tracks went through a recession, a depression, whatever you want to call in the land. And so in order to get their life back together, in order to, to find another living, they had to move to another part of the country to the other side of the tracks. That family took their two sons, and as love would have it, their two boys fell in love with two women from the wrong side of the tracks. But the world seems to have a vendetta on good men, and so those two boys died along with their father and left the mother and the two wives without provision or protection in a society where they desperately needed it. They decided to go back to their original homeland, and the mom played matchmaker and set one of the daughters up with a distant relative who redeemed her and provided protection and provision for their lives. The first mom was the mother of Samson, the prophet Samson. The second mom was the mother of Obed, who gave birth to Jesse, who gave birth to a little shepherd boy named David. Samuel anointed David as king, the least in his father's house, to let identify him that God finds you very special. Very special. And this is the author of our psalm today, David, who wrote Psalm number eight. He wrote this messianic psalm to help us understand who God is. And I talked to you last week about what a messianic, about a messianic psalm. What a messianic psalm essentially is, it's about how God will raise up an anointed one. A messiah is what the Bible calls it. A king who will deal with his enemies that portray evil in the world, that diminish the identity and dignity of his creation. That's what a messianic psalm is. A messianic psalm talks to us about one who is special. One who is special. Uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 25 through 27, uh, Paul talks about this one who is special in quoting Psalm number 8. And he says this, for he must reign until he puts his enemy under his feet. The last enemy to abolish is death, for God has put everything under his feet. The author of Hebrews uh, says something similar. He quotes it as well. He says, and furthermore, it's not angels who will control the future world we're talking about. For in one place, the scriptures say, what are mere mortals that you should think about them or a son of man that you should care for him? Yet for a little while, you made them lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them authority over your creation. When it says all things, it means nothing is left out. But we have not yet seen all things placed under his feet is what they're talking about or under his authority. What do we see? We see Jesus, who for a little while was given a position a little lower than angels, and because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. The one, a special one, who would come and take on the sins of mankind to destroy the enemy and the avenger. That's what a messianic psalm is about. 
this Messiah will reverse death, which is the effect of sin, in the creation through his sacrifice and through the sacrifice of those called by his name. I love this psalm because it does what we call an inclusio. If you've taken um, our How to Study the Bible course, uh, you, you would have known as I talked to you about literary themes and how these things work. It starts this text with what we call an inclusio, which is simply just uh, a literary device where an author places one statement or theme in the front and the back, sandwiching the words so you get the context of what he's actually trying to say. He says, Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. Beloved, your name, a name, is synonymous with identity and dignity. It's synonymous with our dignity and identity. And it leads me to a question of what name do you go by? What name do you go by? People will call you in life all kinds of names. They call you out your name. <laughs> they mess your name up. But the question becomes, is not what heritage name you go by, not what racial name you go by, but a name that goes beyond all names, a name that's above every name. And that's the question that we got to answer, beloved, is what name do we go by? Because based on the name that we go by will determine how special we think we are. You have a special name. And here's the principle that I want you to gain uh, as we're talking today is that God's glory is revealed in that which he has chosen to represent and to bear his name. I'm going to say that again. God's glory is revealed in that which he has chosen to represent and to bear his name. Do you bear a name that's above every name? What name specifically about the Lord do you identify with? That's how the Old Testament saints of old would do it, is when they were going through a challenge or some trouble, they had to find a name. Something that they could hold on to, something that they could gravitate to, something that would pull them through the challenge and the problem that they were experiencing. They had to know what was God's name. <laughs> My God, most of us feel like we're nothing special at all when we think about a name. Moses didn't feel like he was anything special. If you remember uh, Moses' story in Exodus chapter 4, God comes to Moses and tells Moses, listen, I, I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses says, Lord, Lord you got the wrong one because I'm not eloquent of speech. Why, why are you choosing me to go and talk to Pharaoh? It's, it's nothing special about me. You must have forgot my upbringing, Lord. I almost died from drowning at six months old. I, I wasn't even barely weaned off my mother's breast and I got thrown into the river. Did anybody care about me? 
I got raised up in a household where nobody looked like me, nobody acted like me, and I had to try to code switch all day long as I went from one house to the next because I didn't identify with the people I was with. You got the wrong one. Ain't nothing special about me. You, you remember the 12 spies in, in, in Numbers that, that Moses sent out to go and spy the land and to go into a land that God had promised to send his people into. And they came back saying, look, the, the land is full of milk and honey. They got these big grapes over there. But listen, there's some big people. There's some giants in the land. And look, we feel like grasshoppers before them. We can't compete with them. We, we can't do anything with them. They're better than us. They're bigger than us. They're bolder than us. They're more powerful than us. What do you want me to do? And for years, they had to delay the promise that God had on their life because they refused to believe all that God said about them. We get to a young man named Gideon. Gideon is in, uh, in, in the field. And God comes to Gideon and says, you mighty man of valor. And what does Gideon say? Look, you got the wrong one. I'm the least of my tribes. I'm the least in my father's house. Gideon was in, watch this, Gideon was in a wine press threshing wheat. I wish I had some Bible scholars. He, he was in a wine press threshing wheat. A wine press is an edifice that's dug deep into the ground that probably comes to about chest high. And he's on his knees beating wheat so nobody sees him hiding in the wine press. Because if anybody sees him harvesting food for his family, the enemies that he have in the land just might come and take it. And God comes to him and says, you mighty man of valor. What? Who? you talking about I'm in a wine press threshing wheat hiding and you talking about I'm a mighty man of valor you remember his story he tests God and God reveals himself to him he goes on with about 10,000 men that God reduces down to 300 and he routes his enemies because God said I'm going to cause you to rout your enemies as one man but before he did that, the Bible says that he built an altar. He built an altar and he called God Jehovah Shalom. You're the God of my peace. When I'm in a fearful situation, when I'm in a troubling situation, you bring me peace. When I'm in a situation that's beyond my ability, you bring me peace. When I am in a situation, when I am confronted with challenges and problems of my worth and identity, you settle my heart and you bring me peace. That's why we got to love his name. That's why we have his name. So we can identify with who he is and by that find out who we are. Come on, somebody. His name tells us who we are. It's not our political agenda. It's not our social stance. It's not what you believe about this, that, and the other. It is the name of the Lord who is a strong tower that the righteous can run into and find safety. His name tells us who we are. 
Verse number three again in four says, David is pondering this question. He says, when I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is a human being that you are mindful of him? What is a human being that you remind of him? The text says that God uses his fingers. David is out there in the, in the field probably, and he says, you're using your fingers to paint the stars. The moon, the galaxies are your finger paintings. Your fingerprints are upon all the things above, and you created these things that I do not understand, that the sun comes up uh, without my help, it goes down without my help, the moon rises without my help, the stars provide light without my help, the seasons change without my help. What am I that you even consider me? Verse number nine, one through four of Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Listen, they have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them yet. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. I'm confused. You, you got something that doesn't speak, that's shouting. Um, okay. S something that has no vocal cords, that's communicating. Why are you contrasting God Something that can't talk with an attribute of something that does. He's trying to help you understand, number one, that the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God because they declare his incommunicable attributes. I need some theology scholars. The, the incommunicable attributes of God. His independence, that he don't need you. His unity, that he brings all things together. His unchangeableness, that he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. His eternity, that he exists before time began. His omnipresence, that he's everywhere at once. Where can I go, Lord, about your presence? He's communicating his incommunicable attributes with something, with a being, with a person, with a creation that has communicable attributes. His wisdom, his goodness, his love, amen, his, his jealousy, his wrath, his will and freedom. He, he says, he's trying to help you understand that he's describing incommunicable attributes of his character with the communicable ones because humans also declare the glory of God. Verse number one, 
of Genesis or chapter number one of Genesis, David has this whole chapter in mind as he's thinking through all these things. He says, then God said, verse number 26, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move on the ground. So God created mankind in his own image and in the image of God. God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then watch what he does. He blesses them and says, be fruitful and multiply. Subdue the earth, rule it, rule over the fishes of the sea, the birds of the sky, and everything that creeps in it. Why, why does he tell a weak being, a lesser being, to take dominion over the creation? Why does he take a weak being to take dominion over the creation. Because when we're weak is when his strength is made perfect. His strength is showed perfect in our weakness. As the heavens declare the glory of God, so do human beings declare the glory of God. And guess what? It's babies in verse number three of Psalm number eight, where he says, uh, or verse number two, from the mouths of infants and nursing, nursing babies, you have established a stronghold on account of your adversaries in order to silence the enemy and the avenger. How does a baby silence the enemy and the avenger? How does a weak child who can barely feed themselves who can't feed themselves without help, silence the enemy and the adventure. Because he's created human beings to extend his name throughout the earth. That's, that's, that's why you have children. It's because your children are little image bearers. Babies are image bearers. They're little bearers of God's name throughout the earth. While the heavens declare the glory of God, his name goes through all the earth through the rest of his creation. And I just want to finish up with these three things as we think about why God actually calls us very special. Number one, I just said it, we are reproducers of his image and his name. We reproduce the image and name of God. We raise and develop little ones who bear the image and name of God. Those little ones are very special. And, and, and number two, praise team, you can come. Like babies, the other reason why he looks after us is because like babies, we are weak and we are powerless. We are weak and we are powerless. I, 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 know, you, I know you don't want to realize that. I know sometimes we think we more than we are. We think that we're more powerful than we lead on. We think we can do just about anything, but without God, you can do nothing. And it's because you're with God that makes you very special. We're not special in and of ourselves. And when we separate ourselves from God and those who God has bared his name, we, we're not creating a specialness. We're removing ourselves from the special group, the special society that God established and desired to build up. We are special 
because of whose name that we bear. I, re I remember my kids, I would tell them all the time, I, I, I was the last Bailey in our family, the last male until my son was born. And, and, and I would tell my kids all the time that when you go out the house, when you go to school, when you play sports, when you do anything, you represent me. You bear my name. And there are certain things that Baileys just don't do. There are certain ways of living that Baileys have. We live a certain way. We do certain things. We believe a certain way. We, 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 we respond the way a certain way in certain situations. I, I gave them responsibility because of my name. But the only reason I could give them responsibility of my name is because I was thinking about somebody who had a greater name, who had a name above all names, a name that at the end every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's his name. It's his name. And, and, and the last thing, number three, why you're very special is because God does his best work through the weak and the powerless. Come on, somebody. Are you weak and powerless? Listen, you're a candidate for great work. You're a candidate for great work. If, if, if you had to put out a resume, your resume would say weak, helpless, in need of support, in need of protection, in need of guidance, in need of direction, in need of love, in need of everything, in need of instruction, in need of guidance. It would list all the capabilities and qualities that you possess. And God was like, oh yeah, that's the one I want right there. That's the one that's qualified to lead my sheep. That's the one that's qualified to lead my people. That's the one that's qualified to do greater works in my name because they are weak and there's something I can work with. This, this isn't confusing. We tell our kids and young people all the time that you need to be coachable. One of the best qualities is that you are coachable and, and, and you can respond appropriately to guidance and direction from the one who knows more than you do. There was one whose omniscience is another big word, omniscience, that he knows everything. He knows every failure you're going to make. He knows all the good things in store for you. He knows all the trauma that you will experience in your life. And he's near. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's your peace. He's your way. He's your righteousness. He's your healing. He's your hope. These are just names. These are just names. But if you grab hold of that name, Everything that you are experiencing in your life, he's going to see you to the other side. When I walk through the valley, 
There's no hint there that I'm stopping. I'm moving upward and onward. I'm going beyond every challenge, every problem, every calamity, everything that stands in my way, not because I'm strong, because he's strong in me. Listen, look to somebody and let them know, look, you're special. You're special. You're special. I don't care what your thoughts are thinking. I don't care what the doubts in your mind are saying. I don't care what you have experienced. I don't care what things you're going through this week, this month, this year. You are special. I'm going to finish with this quote. I don't know who wrote it. But the, the, the author of the quote, he said, or she said, I don't know who wrote it. They said, there are people less qualified than you doing what you want to do. All because they decided to believe in themselves. <laughs> Instead of rehearsing your doubts. How about start rehearsing the things that God has said about you? Doubts are plentiful. They come in every direction. But the one who is special has chosen you to be special with. And just like Deborah Law's song, it says, "We, you need me and I need you. Loving us is very special. God decides not to do anything in earth without choosing a weak, lowly human to do it. Pay attention, beloved. Every good gift, every blessing that you will experience in your life is going to come through somebody who is weak and powerless. Because while they serve as the hands, they come from the very heart of God. Let's worship together.